The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder James Boy came to give him life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they're kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. This on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation We got the power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Welcome to the June 27th edition one nation radio sorry for the absence i took a week off a lot has happened in the wrestling world and we are going to try to cover it as much as we can show may run a little bit long but i got you and we're gonna do the thing i'm drinking out of my metal cup right now if you are watching this on youtube.com if you are someone that would like uh to place a sticker or some type of you know advertisement on this here cup you know how to hit me um Anyway, we got plenty uh, to start. We're going to start on a sad note um, today. Um, obviously, um, you guys uh, know uh, we had the passing of Vader, uh, Big Van Vader, and he um, was 63 years old, I believe. And, you know, he had been going through health problems the last couple of years, and it had got to a situation where he knew he only had, you know, a certain amount of time left. And one of his dying wishes was to go into the WWE Hall of Fame, but never ended up happening for him while he was still with us. Um, hopefully, he's able to get in um, as soon as next year because there's no reason he shouldn't have been in the first place. Uh, Vader was a true legend of the ring all around the world, whether it be All Japan, New Japan, Germany, Mexico, WCW. Uh, he honestly didn't have the greatest run in WWE. Uh, I guess there was a lot going on there, you know, politically, and, you know, we never really got the real... Vader that was uh, elsewhere. So um, I watched the Vader and Sting match from Great American Bash 92 earlier this week. It's just absolutely brutal. Um, also, obviously, you know, everyone has their match recommendations out. There's a lot of stuff up on New Japan World. There's a lot of stuff, obviously, on the WWE Network. Every match you ever had in WCW is up there um, on pay-per-view as well as WWE. So feel free to jump in and um, pay your respects to Vader and, you know, um, it was unfortunate he had, you know, because I always liked Vader when I was a kid. I love his music. Uh, I thought it was uh, actually like if, you know, a lot of the WWE um, entrance music from that time like kind of sounds similar, but to me that one kind of stood out, and I would actually like, you know, I would rap on uh, Vader's uh, instrumental. But um, yeah, man. So uh, rest in peace, Vader. Um, we're gonna be moving through, you know, stuff. Uh, you know, very quickly today. Um, if you guys, uh, have, you know, are watching this on YouTube, make sure you guys subscribe to the social suplex podcast network. Check out all the great shows on our network. We have the Ricky and Clive show. We have the outsider's edge with Rance and Carl. We have, um, my show one nation radio we have grown men watch this shit um and we also have keeping it strong style um that covers new japan so make sure you guys check that out so suplex shirts uh you can email jeremy at socialsuplex.com see yourself how to get uh, your hands on one um the next story that we have to talk about is obviously uh big cast um now this guy was basically shown the door um after money in the bank uh he you know never made another appearance for wwe on television he was fired that monday uh, or excuse me that tuesday i think he wrestled a house show um and 
they this comes back from you know a couple months ago where we heard the situation with the little person got way too much heat i thought that was kind of weak personally but you know a lot of people will say hey if vince just tells you don't do it just don't do it and that led to tons of heat um and of course there's been you know more stories popping up as you know the days have gone on glad i kind of waited before i covered this one um there was an incident supposedly that happened allegedly um, over on their overseas tour where he broke down a door uh, in a bus and, you know, thought it was a rib or something like that. And he basically, you know, broke it down and folks had to use the restroom essentially like in, you know, with the door open. So no one actually had privacy. Um, there's rumors that, you know, he got involved with Carmela, you know, who he used to date and everything like that. And it came to a situation where he had to kind of be separated from her. So you can't be having that shit. And, you know, with big cast there, you know, there's also reports that, you know, WWE was unhappy with his work in the big show feuds as well. It's the Daniel Bryan feud. I thought he had one shining moment and it was at the very beginning of the few with that promo um that he cut and it went over really well uh i put him over praise him for that but never really you know did any anything else the subsequent uh, subsequent promos never really caught on the same way and <clears throat> the matches never quite reached that you know other level so you know i probably would give like his match with daniel bryan i thought that was the best match i've ever seen him in but that's also like a really substandard daniel bryan match it's around like a three three and a half you know maybe if you're really happy with the match and you're, you're super positive about everything and it's just the greatest thing in the world and you haven't really been exposed to everything you could even like talk yourself into giving that four stars so you know for me seeing cast let go it's a you know it's a definitely a waste of uh potential and you know but you know maybe the business was getting to him you know he he didn't see himself you know where they had him slotted and he saw himself you know on top and it took cast a long time just to get to the main roster he'd been with wwe for seven years i remember seeing big cast and fcw here in tampa before they moved to full sale um along with guys like rusev along with bray wyatt neville uh cory graves when he was wrestling there and um aiden english and it's like cast really is just kind of getting his run now like as you know getting you know a, a opportunity as a single and Maybe he thought it was going to be easier. Maybe not. Either way, Big Cass is out of here. Um, so best of, best of luck to Big Cass. We'll probably see him on the indie somewhere. So, um, yeah, we're going to go, um, you know, take a little break real quick, and I will be back to unload about Daniel Bryan's latest development and him going to team, you know, uh, reforming Team Hell No with Kane. Now, let me have a sip real quick. If you watch Tuesday Night SmackDown, you saw the latest development in the storylines with WWE and SmackDown, and more in particular, Daniel Bryan. Um, after last week's gauntlet match, which he was tremendous in, going 30 minutes and felt like he was a top star without being the top star, they have severely rerouted Daniel Bryan into something that I didn't ask for. I don't know however, how many other people asked for this, um, thought about this or anything else when, you know, the idea of Daniel Bryan coming out of retirement and being available to use on WWE television was, yes, they reunited him with Kane. I'm going to say that again. In 2018, they reunited Daniel Bryan and Kane with no type of anything. It was just a surprise appearance. It wasn't, hey, Kane came back and, you know, they had common enemies and they were forced to, you know, bond or something like that. Nah, it's just like, yeah, here it is. Fuck y'all. Um, I think this is awful. I think Daniel Bryan should leave WWE at this point. If they're going to use this guy like this, he's clearly going to be positioned underneath in a tag team far away from the championship, far away from having important matches, far away from essentially being the momentum that was created when he first came back. And it's like, all right, you have him wrestle big cast for two months. I had, you know, my, my issues with that. I had my, you know, feelings of being okay with it. Like, you know, whatever It's the first, you know, month that he's back. It's not like, Hey, just have him wrestle for the belt. And that's a big misconception, um, that I feel like people have, uh, when it comes to Darren Bryan, and especially like folks that, you know, want to throw dirt on Darren Bryan for whatever reason that is. And I have a couple of guesses why, um, I think it's more of a situation where they expect us to want him to immediately hold the title 
while you know that's like not necessarily you know obviously if they put the title on Daniel Bryan cool he can do it he's a top star but he should be in much more important things than tagging up with the Mayor Kane who's super washed was washed five years ago and it's like it just feels like they're working backwards they have no idea what to do with Daniel Bryan when they're not making him an underdog they have no idea or maybe they do have an idea and then they just don't see him at that level unquestionably the biggest story in wrestling this year was Daniel Bryan coming out of retirement and you have this guy that's available broke social media all mainstream media everything talking about it and what do you do? You have him wrestle with Big Cass for two months, and you put him in a tag team. This is not the Golden Lovers. One guy in this scenario, it would be like, oh, yeah, you know, Kenny Omega was tagging with the Golden Lovers, whatever, right? Let's look at their partners. Kenny Omega was tagging with who? Kota Ibushi. Daniel Bryan is tagging with Kane. There is no comparison. Now, <clears throat> I've... I, I don't understand why they're doing this. I feel like Dan Bryan needs to seek greener pastures because they obviously don't value him in the same way that everyone else does because he's a he's a top star. Use a top star like a top star. Uh, in my opinion, I feel like it should be a situation where SmackDown should be set up with two matches every time off rip and now they're still gonna be set up to an extent with Darren Bryan working the tag team scene I'll get back to why they had to put these guys uh together in my estimation but if you look at Smackdown and you have AJ Styles as your babyface champion fighting off guys I feel like there should be two spots on each card it's like hey you have AJ Styles in the championship match mowing through competition and you have Daniel Bryan on the other side mowing through competition there's no fucking reason that Daniel Bryan and Andrade Cien Almas couldn't have been running in that extreme rules let's talk about Almas Almas has been up since the week after Wrestlemania called up in the superstar shakeup how many times have we seen Andrade Cien Almas wrestling two and then who did he wrestle jobbers they have no plan for this guy they have no type of action plan anything like they've got this guy about to fight Sin Cara this is stupid on all levels I don't know who would book this Bill Watts wouldn't book this Gato wouldn't book this Don Callis wouldn't book this whoever writes Lucha Underground wouldn't book this Triple H wouldn't book this this is ridiculous this sucks and it basically is the manifestation of not knowing what the fuck to do with Dan Bryan and they aside from you know Wrestlemania 30 it's almost like they, they've never had a clue what to do with Daniel Bryan so it's you know it's gonna be a situation where they are put back together now because the Bludgeon Brothers you know and it's like oh you know they're gonna beef the tag team division up and all that newsflash motherfuckers the tag team division was already beefed up last year with the Usos and the New Day having the greatest tag team rivalry we've ever seen in WWE history yes fuck your tables fuck your ladders fuck your chairs fuck all those motherfuckers falling off all that bullshit but we're talking about wrestling and then cutting promos when it comes to the most basic aspects of the game the New Day and the Usos did it better than all of them so what happens is when they have this thing WWE just kind of loses interest in it or it runs its course I'll say it runs its course but you have the shakeup to pull in new teams like the bar um, to come into this brand and also the Bludgeon Brothers but what they've done is they've had the Bludgeon Brothers mow through everybody like just absolute destruction squashing the Usos in the New Day at Wrestlemania squashing the Usos repeatedly getting the New Day out of here getting everyone and then it was to a point where no one could be on TV because they had killed the entire division that much it was like they finished all these dudes off and now they have to put together big bad team hell no to come save the day but the situation that's gonna happen is say they are successful right Daniel Bryan and Kane are then going to become the tag team champions or is Daniel Bryan the tag team champions or is Kane the tag team champ? They'll have to figure it out. But it's a situation where Daniel Bryan is going to be stuck with his albatross of Kane for not only the challenging weeks, you know, of the storyline, but if they win the belts, then he's stuck with them for even longer. And then what do we have? A fucking breakup. So, like, he could be handcuffed to Kane until, like, Survivor Series at this rate or Royal Rumble. That's such a waste for 
a guy that falls up the sky that can be your top star, a guy that's cleared medically, a guy that has not signed his contract yet. So, in my opinion, Dan Bryan, and I know you're not watching this video, you're probably, you know, hanging with your wife, you're, uh, you know, doing nice vegan things, working in the garden, but look, man, for, for, for not only your career, but, you know, everyone's, like, enjoyment, and the crowd lost their mind seeing that shit, and it's like, when, and we're gonna talk about this later, when crowds see angles, chances are they're gonna cheer, but reality is gonna set in with this shit, when you realize Daniel Bryan's not being pushed like a main eventer, when he, you realize he's not being used in anything really important, when you realize that he's being moved out the way, you know, for a certain you know reason which will uh you know be discovered later they're trying to keep him so far away from the Miz they're trying to keep him so far away from Samoa Joe Andrade Cien Almas Randy Orton's been injured Jeff Hardy anyone instead he gets thrown in the tag team division I I I don't think anyone could fuck it up as much as WWE's done as far as capitalizing on that momentum that came out of WrestleMania they were just like we don't need it we'll just do whatever and you know of course nothing matters because you know TV money and all that but had this not been the TV money era I don't think they would have the heart to do this but they fucked up Darren Bryan on multiple occasions over and over again swig of water and they've backed themselves into a situation with with me watching this it's like i fucking hate it as soon as it happens because we never asked for it in the first place kane can just never wrestle again as far as i'm concerned and it's like there's so much better more better shit for dan bryan to be doing and you got a guy in andrade san alma sitting there who's begging to 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 get a first feud that uh that means something and to make his impact and what did they do? They have him in these vignettes for literally two months. What the fuck, WWE? I don't, I don't fucking understand it like that. That makes me want to pull my hair out. Um, Daniel Bryan deserves so much better. Um, like I said before, there should be the AJ Styles Championship match, the Daniel Bryan Opponent of the Month. You have those as your anchors until it's time to bring Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles together or whoever the champion is by that point. If uh, AJ dropped it to Samoa Joe or, you know, like, what is Nakamura doing now? Like, he's going to have to fight Jeff Hardy for the U.S. belt because that's what they do when guys lose all their world title matches. They get moved over to the secondary belt uh, as to not, you know, try to lose, you know, to try to give them something, essentially. But, man, they, um, they really shocked me with this Team Hell No shit, and not in a good way. And I think they are going to run the risk of Daniel Bryan looking them in the face and being like, you know what? I'm rolling. I'm out of here. I'm going to do my own thing. I'll go wrestle Okada at um, Wrestle Kingdom 13. Holla. Up next on deck, we've got to talk about NXT TakeOver Chicago. Uh, another spectacular event for the NXT brand. Uh, going back to Chicago for the second year in a row. Um, last year was before Backlash. This year was before Money in the Bank. In both scenarios, I feel like the uh, NXT roster far outdid the uh, main roster. Uh, we had uh, Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, shout out Danny Burch, uh, taking on the Undisputed Era of Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. And they flat out had one of the best WWE matches of the year. Um, one of the best tag team matches that you'll ever see. Uh, I don't think this was like... Um, it, it was a match where, you know, there was a lot of weird stuff that happened. So Kyle O'Reilly and Roger Strong were ridiculously over his faces in Chicago. You would think Oni Lorcan and Dane Burch would get, like, cheered and, you know, fans would have that appreciation for them. But, nah, they were like, we're here to boo you, whatever, the Undisputed Era. They're kind of got this um, NWO-ish kind of vibe going on uh, for, for this era. And folks really dug this match, and I really liked this match a lot. It was hard-hitting, fast-paced, athletic. That's everything that's, like, you know, I love uh, in my wrestling. And Oni Lorcan kind of had a standout performance, a uh, breakout performance. Unfortunately, he had a broken orbital bone as well, so that's going to put him on the side. Hopefully that doesn't affect his future in NXT because, you know, when guys start getting injured in NXT – it can be a long road back to, um, towards, you know, gaining uh, what they had lost um, in those, that time off. Like, Tino Sabatelli right now, he's been in developmental forever, then he gets injured, and it's like, they start looking how long they've had you there, and then, you know, they start cutting you after that. So, um, 
Strong and O'Reilly um, retained the NXT Tag Team titles. Awesome match if you haven't seen it, uh, which by now you should have. Um, speaking as, you know, seeing as I took a week off and then I'm covering this. Uh, Velveteen Dream and Ricochet. My God. The future of black wrestling is in excellent hands in WWE if these two guys are leading the way. Um, <coughs> these guys came out here and had a 22-minute match, and it was like a game of one-upsmanship and... You know, athleticism mixed with great hard-hitting, you know, uh, you know, power moves uh, mixed with guys flying, guys doing, playing to the crowd and just looking like the literally the future. Velveteen Dream showed up, stunting, swaggerific as ever, um, in the Hulk Hogan gear just to, you know, fuck with, with all the naysayers uh, with the Prince Puma outfit just for those that know really what it is. Thought that was excellent. Uh, Dream in some areas, he's not as crisp um, as you you would expect him to be at this stage, but he is very young. Folks forget that because his character work is so excellent and his grasp of the moment and everything. But, you know, just when it comes to little technical things in the match, like it's not the greatest ricochet match I've ever seen, but this was definitely a very good one. And I feel like folks that only watch WWE or NXT see ricochet in this match and are like, whoa and that's like yo this is what he does like that's not anything like special and i don't say that in a sense of like yeah you shouldn't be impressed by this but no this is regular expect this from not only you know ricochet against dream but pretty much anyone who he goes in there with if he gets time and if he gets you know um uh, you know, an ability to kind of build something with them. Velveteen Dream and Ricochet have been wrestling each other for months um, on the house show loops in Florida, all over the country. Like I said, if you want your sticker right there, um, hit me up. But if, um, you know, if he gets that time with them, it's going to be excellent. And Ricochet is like one of the best guys in the world. I think he's an absolute stu- superstar. Should be on the main roster. Should be a main eventer. Should be fighting Daniel Bryan. How about that? Let's bring Ricochet up and, and have him fight Daniel Bryan. Got all this cool shit for them to do. Will they do any of it? Probably not. Why? Because none of it matters. Um, <laughs> after that, Shayna Baszler and Nikki Cross. Uh, I, I liked it for what it was. Well below the standard of the normal women's championship match. I've seen better Shayna Baszler matches. I've seen better Nikki Cross matches. But it was like a Ken Shamrock versus uh, Mankind type of thing. Where a crazy person versus a fighter. And eventually the fighter wears out the crazy person. But the crazy person kind of enjoys it. And eventually taps out or goes to sleep or both. Um... I still think Shayna Baszler is phenomenal. She brings something so unique um, to the women's division, like even more than uh, Rousey. And Rousey, we'll get to her in a minute when I talk about Money in the Bank and how excellent she was. But she doesn't have that bully aura that um, Shayna Baszler has. And maybe that's a function of her being a babyface. But Shayna Baszler is very special. And Shayna Baszler has her detractors out there. Um, All I ask for you guys is just to keep paying attention to her. Keep, you know, looking and, and seeing like, yo, eventually it will click for you. So, um, after that, we had Aleister Black and Lars Sullivan. My God. Um, now, a lot of people were wondering why Lars Sullivan was was in this position to get a shot at the NXT Championship. It was like, what had he done? Uh, he's not really over like that. But I maintain that if NXT is going to keep fashioning itself as developmental, right? And Lars Sullivan looks like a guy that would get a lot of run on the main roster. They have to develop these dudes and make sure they're ready. They, they're not the only ones down there or excuse me, like, you know, the guys that come from the indies or come from, you know, like playing football or anything like that, they all need to kind of get the same chance to develop um, unless they're on that, you know, we're just going to keep you completely off TV plan that they put certain motherfuckers on. I don't know why. And we're just going to jump you to the main roster. Guys like Lars Sullivan need this. Why? Because Baron Corbin didn't get to do this. Um, Big Cash didn't get to do this. And you can see those things like, uh, you know, and it's not perfect in every situation because Strowman is transitioning and became a star just fine. But Mojo Rowley didn't get to do this. These are all guys that kind of, you know, just were in the middle, lower card, and you get them to the main roster, and it's like, wow, you have all these high hopes for them, but they never got reps like that in NXT. So this was an important match for NXT to not only have now, but to lay the foundation where when it happens again, it's like, oh, okay, we we can roll with it. Because it's not like they... 
will just be able to surprise you with this anymore. It's already happened. And it wasn't an absolute disaster. It was, you know, not a regular Aleister Black match. And, of course, we had the big whiff of the, um, uh, you know, the kick, the Black Mass, and WWE teaching people to sell no matter what. Um, I don't know why they do that <laughs> because it's very weird. And, you know, Sullivan, you know, I feel like they're telling guys to do that. Um, at this point, uh, you know, as I was saying, they, don't, you know, those certain like kind of guys don't get a chance to do that. And then when they get to the main roster and like fall on their face, it's like, well, who can they really blame? They can blame the company say, Hey, y'all never like really put me in that situation. So it hasn't translated well. So, uh, Lars will never be able to say that. And hopefully people like him will not be able to say that. So, in the main event, Tommaso Ciampa defeated Johnny Gargano after 35 minutes of brawling, um, a killer finishing sequence. Some parts were just a little too like cheesy for me and all that, but it kind of gets this feud where it needs to be. Looks like they're going to do a part three or inject these guys into the championship picture. Definitely excited for that. Gargano and Ciampa, it was, to me, uh, the match over WrestleMania weekend, as I've stated on One Nation Radio before, I feel like that's the greatest match in WWE history. To me, this was not on the same level. This is like a level below that. They get points for the creative finish. They get points for, you know, doing, like, ungodly harm to each other. But to me, the wrestling matches usually rank a little bit higher for me than, like, just the all-out, like, brawls. And I feel like the match in New Orleans had a lot more, like, wrestling elements to it with, like, the I'm-gonna-kick-the-shit-out-of-you stuff as well. Um, <clears throat> Ciampa's continuing just a virtuoso heel performance that they'll be able to show people on, on a reel one day, hopefully. And, you know, it's the future by that. It'll be the future by that point, so they won't need a reel or anything. But, um, yeah, I, I overall, I thought it was an excellent show. TakeOver comes to play, comes to deliver. It's fucking NXT TakeOver. What do you expect? I expect greatness, and I don't think there's a reason to not expect greatness. Um, the dark match on that show, and this is something to watch out in the future, Bianca Belair versus Dakota Kai. Bianca Belair is a motherfucking star. That's all I'm going to say. I guess we have to talk about Money in the Bank, don't we? Now, if you guys uh, want to hear a more uh, thorough version of my analysis for this show, I was on uh, a show last week with the Doc Chad Matthews. And speaking of my boy, the Doc Chad Matthews, my early advanced copy of his new book, The Greatest Matches and Rivalries of the WrestleMania Era, has arrived. I will be mowing through it. And also interviewing Chad on the podcast, July 29th is when we'll be recording it. So look for it a little bit after that. Um, this is going to be an excellent read. If you know anything about Chad's books, um, he has another book called The uh, Greatest uh, Superstars of the WrestleMania Era. Counts down from 90 to 1, uh, the guys who've made the biggest impact. So it is available for pre-order, but not with the um, not, not the soft cover book. But digitally, it is available for pre-order anywhere you can, you know, get your books like Amazon, um, stuff like that. So, shouts out to my boy Chad, and can't wait to bust through this and also talk to him about it. So, you guys won't want to miss that show. This is like, it looks like greatness. So, um, but yeah, I was on his show, The Doc Says, last week on LordsOfPain.net, and we talked all about Money in the Bank, the reactions to everything, the fallout, and everything like that. I'm just going to blaze through the card uh, really quick, and also, you know, we got, uh, you know, some stories to talk about on this motherfucker with it. So, um, <clears throat> Daniel Bryan, obviously, we talked about it, went over Big Cass, thought it was a match where Bryan looked really good, he had Cass looking pretty decent, but also not at the level of a normal Daniel Bryan match. Uh, thought it was okay. You know, if I had to give a star rating on it, as I said, it would probably be a three to three and a half at the most. Uh, if you talk yourself into it, you can go up to a four, but I think people will want to fight you if you give this a four. Um, after that, Bobby Lashley got rid of Sami Zayn, and it came out that Sami Zayn um, the day after has, you know, two injured rotator cuffs. I don't know how you break both of your rotator cuffs, but that shit must hurt, and Damn, we're not going to see Sami Zayn until 2019. Um, it's very unfortunate, but they weren't doing shit with Zayn anyway. I felt like they were actively trying to sabotage and ruin his career with those terrible segments, with beating him like a drum after they turned him. And, you know, I don't know, man. I've seen Sami Zayn be the man before, so I know it can happen. And 
Maybe he gets to come back as a face, but he was excellent as a heel. So no one will ever be able to say that Sami Zayn couldn't be a good guy. Sami Zayn can also be a bad guy. He can take the bullshit that they gave him and turn it into at least something. But it was set up for him to fail the entire time. Uh, Lashley... I don't know, bro. Uh, I, you know, he looked a little better um, in that tag team match. You know, the tag matches he's done with Roman Reigns against the Revival. You know, the Re- Revival's really good. And I am I really don't know about Lashley yet. So, um, I'm reserving judgment on that. Um, Seth Rollins defeated Elias and retained the Intercontinental title. He's no longer the Intercontinental champion. He lost it the next night to Dolph Ziggler um, as they've, you know, got into this thing or whatever. But... I thought it was important for Elias because much like uh, I was saying with Lars Sullivan, these guys in NXT never really get these opportunities, and I don't know why. It's a situation where they want to keep NXT as a super indie promotion, but sell us this bullshit about developmental, but guys don't actually develop, and then we're stuck with motherfuckers learning on the job. So it was good to see Elias finally get a chance after 15 months of being on the main roster, getting a proper feud, and then a match which showed that A, he's not a stiff, B, he can put together like some type of match, and C, have a match where at the end it's like, whoa, there's like kind of unpredictability here. So, uh, shouts out to those guys for doing that. I j- joked and clowned that it was a mirror match, and you know, they got they look like each other, and they both showed up wearing the black pants, and you know, whatever, all the jokes. But, um, I thought it was a very good match. I would probably go like three and a three and a uh, three quarters, um, bordering four stickers, bro. Um, yeah, up next. Alexa fucking Bliss won the uh, Money in the Bank ladder match. After laying on the ground all match, after not doing a damn thing, uh, while, while Becky Lynch, while uh, Charlotte, while Ember Moon, while even Lana looks great, Naomi does all the athletics, uh, Natalia goes you know, and does her thing, and Sasha Banks bumps like a mad woman. We put her on top of the ladder and hand her the briefcase again because WWE is married to Alexa Bliss with the WWE Women's Championship, as we will find out later on that night, which I even um, you know, let out an audible fuck. Um, after she grabbed, uh, pushed Becky Lynch off the roster, or, or excuse me, off the ladder, she had Becky Lynch looking like an absolute geek. Becky unhooks the shit already, looking for Alexa. They're panning in really tight. She doesn't know where she is. I'm so over this Alexa Bliss shit. I came out with a rant. I'm going to insert it uh, here so you guys can check it out. So let's listen to the rant because that will say everything that I have to say about Alexa Bliss right here. Fucking serious. I I don't just understand. When like just when it looked like Alexa Bliss was gone out of our lives, he had finally got the women's title off of her. Oh my god. I'm gonna have to rant. Full Levitard style. Alexa Bliss is now a five-time women's champion without ever having five good matches. (laughs) Alexa Bliss is a master at remembering lines and a master at taking as little contact as she can at all times. The Money in the Bank match was full of women taking risks and going for the crown. Except Alexa Bliss, who was outside the ring, laying down. She did a cold run. Rousey just had her first one-on-one match ever, ever. Alexa has been wrestling for years, and Ronda Rousey is already better. Unbelievable. Alexa Bliss can pop her arm out because she's double-jointed. Who gives a fuck? Bailey was going to be the female John Cena, but wrestling against Alexa Bliss destroyed her. She's been right since. Alexa Bliss makes Roman Reigns look like Barry Horowitz. This is incredible. Give it to me again. I am not finished. Give it to me again. Bring that shit back, bruh. The big match that they had was a kendo stick on a pole. Every time she wins a match with a DDT, after someone hits a turnbuckle, I lose a piece of my soul. Every fucking match. It's either average or bad when I watch Alexa Bliss matches. She wouldn't be one of the 10 to 15 best women in the Mae Young Classic. (laughs) Alexa Bliss is a chicken shit heel who in one-on-one matches beats her opponent's asses 90% of the match. 
and then wins clean. Unbelievable. The women's revolution started with the four horsewomen having blow-away matches. But fuck all that now. Alexa Bliss's entire existence has turned the entire landscape to ashes. She's Thanos. Hulk Hogan thinks Alexa Bliss has gone over everyone else too strong. Give it to me again. Bring that shit back. I'm going to list the great Alexa Bliss matches I've ever seen. That's the list. <laughs> Alexa Bliss is the poster girl for mediocrity, a walking version of the Mendoza line. Alexa Bliss makes AJ Lee look like AJ Styles. She's the master of being medium, the messiah of mediocre, the overlord of ordinary, the ace of adequate, the princess of passable, the sultana of second rate, the duchess of dime a dozen, the monarch of middle of the road, and the aristocrat of average. I've never seen someone push this hard that was this fucking regular. This is ridiculous. The women's division is an absolute joke. I'd normally say at least we have SmackDown. But their fucking champion is Carmella. My God! Please don't ruin Ronda Rousey. Please! Yeah, man. As the rant uh, did, you know, <laughs> I'm not here for this Alexa Bliss shit. She's, you know... Uh, the rant said it all. Never mind. Um, from, from there, we had Roman Reigns and Jinder Mahal. My God. Um... A true contender for one of the most shit-on matches of all time. We had chance of CM Punk, Johnny Gargano, NXT, everything under the sun. And this match has been described as a lot of things, but I feel like one that is not being said is the one I think it is the most. This was a protest. And this was a message from the Chicago crowd that we're not here for this overpush motherfucker, and we're not here for this overpush motherfucker. And... All of 2017, obviously, Jinder Mahal was, you know, a lightning rod issue uh, amongst folks, especially a lot of them that were going to be in Chicago. Um, <laughs> and they decided to put him out there with Roman Reigns, who everyone is tired of being forced that he's the hero, that he's the good guy. And it's like people see through it where, OK, let's just put someone in there that everyone really hates. And it's like, bro, we hate them both. This is a protest. How dare y'all come to our city with this bullshit? Y'all claim y'all respect Chicago so much as a wrestling town, and then you uh, send Roman Reigns out with that guy? Come on. this is That was a fuck you to the fans, and the fans extended both middle fingers back like Rawls from the wire. And this was a situation, it was, you know... I don't want to say, obviously, you know, there's been a lot of controversy. Charles Robinson has come out and said, you know, folks need to basically, these guys are busting their ass. It wasn't about them busting their ass because the match was just a match. It was literally just there happening. This crowd knew that that match was booked. They didn't want to see it. And they were going to let WWE know that they don't give a fuck about it. And I don't know if that's going to help in the long run because it's like people say, hey, as long as they're making noise. But obviously, you got to listen to what people are saying. Or you don't because you're a money that's run or a company that's run by, excuse me, uh, you're a company that's run by TV money. So the opinions of your consumers really don't matter in that case. And it was a situation where I think it needed to happen. It, it's going to keep happening because fans are tired of this shit. Very tired of, you know, and I've heard people say, hey, it was a match in the middle of the card. We know what they were trying to do. And deep down, you know what they were trying to do. This was, I, I can't believe we really have to explain it to people because I feel like this is the most obvious thing. And if you knew that folks went into Wrestle fucking Mania and shit on it like that, that Roman Reigns and Jinder Mahal would be similarly yeah, similarly received the same way after the finishes at the Greatest Royal Rumble, after WrestleMania, after making Samoa Joe put him in a chin lock for seven minutes and fucking kill himself, essentially, any chance that he got of getting cheered. It's not even a situation where it's like, all right, we're cool with them cheering Roman's opponent. It's like they bend over backwards for people not to cheer Roman Reigns. They put Joe and Reigns in that main event, and it rolled over to Roman Reigns here. And I feel like if, you know... Jinder Mahal doesn't go unscathed on this. A lot of this wasn't his fault, but him being in that match was a lightning rod to say, hold on, bro. I see what y'all are doing. We're not going for it. If they put him in there with Finn Balor, if they put him in there with Seth Rollins or anyone that's like worth a damn, essentially, 
I don't think they have that same problem. And if you do, you're lying to yourself. Because they're not going to hijack a Finn Balor match like that. They're going to root for Finn Balor. Unless Finn Balor decides to put people in a chin lock. But no, he's not going to do that. They they did the chin lock sequence. Uh, Jinder Mahal sat in it for a while. And it was just like they were essentially just accepting it. And the most, the biggest disconnect for me was the announcers totally no-selling everything. And just trying to yell over the crowd. It's like, bro, it's not working. Just like wrap this shit up, end this match as the crowd was chanting it, and this was and move the fuck on. And we saw it with the Bobby Lashley promo when Bobby Lashley, who much of the audience has forgotten about, I don't know how many people followed it and went and watched him in Impact Wrestling or his MMA career, but he's back and he's being he's not positioned as a top guy yet. He's you know making his way up, and when he says, "Hey Roman, you know it's time to move on." It's been three years. We want to see something different. And the crowd hits yes chance. It's time. Make a move. Yeah, man. Sticker. Um, Carmella beat Asuka. And I don't even want to fucking talk about it. It was stupid. Carmella's terrible. And, you know, this is where we're at now with the women's division. Um, it's completely lit on fire. The women's revolution is over. We have, <laughs> like, literally, like, nothing to celebrate or talk about here. So, um, moving on from that, uh, AJ Styles defeated Shinsuke Nakamura in a last man standing match. Was their best match of the feud? Was it still a good rivalry? No. At WrestleMania, AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura were like J.R. Smith at the end of Game 1 of the NBA Finals. They blew it. Flat out. Um, They blew it, and they had a match where it was just a a cool match. You know, and obviously they wanted the heel turn to go over stronger afterwards. Why you wouldn't just have the blow-away match off rip? I don't know. And they went to the fuck finishes and everything like that but these guys never recaptured that magic and i'm you know and i gotta look at the booking of the feud i gotta look at nakamura and styles you know if if we're cutting this up in a pie chart uh those guys don't go unscathed i don't think they get as much of the blame there um but it was disappointing it was very disappointing and if you have only watched the work that these guys did in wwe i implore you to check out wrestle kingdom 10 i believe it is up on the new japan uh youtube channel for free it was one of their free matches of the week uh i don't know if they delete those so i would recommend checking that out because when i think about aj styles versus shinsuke nakamura that's going to be the first thing i think of not whatever this wwe version was and for the last 10 minutes i feel like they got what everyone was looking for it took so long to get there everyone was kind of just like damn we're finally here but it's like the fifth match like come on man like you should have like found a way to to stretch that 10 minutes over the rest of the feud because everything else was just a colossal miss and it was and i think chad mentioned this um on his show shout out to chad it was more out of the aj styles versus kevin owens kind of feuds where it should be like phenomenal incredible match of the year candidate after match of the year candidate and we got not a one i wouldn't call uh the last man standing match a match of the year candidate it enforces the last man standing match rule because it is impossible to have a bad last man last man standing match if you get any amount of time but this wasn't it and nakamura might go back to new japan if he did i wouldn't blame him but um, I think he's going to stay in WWE because Nakamura is ne- not going to be pushed at, to me. I, I don't think they would push him at that level in New Japan because he's never going to be the man. He's never going to be over Okada or Omega at this point. The Jumping back into that New Japan uh, schedule is tough. Now you can argue that he's going to do a lot of tag matches, going to do blah, 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 and whatever. They're going to do whatever to protect him. But I would imagine doing that softer style much more often is a little bit easier than turning it up every so often because you have to like you, you you're peaking you know in valiant too much and nakamura is probably going to make a shit ton of money in wwe much more than he'll make in new japan at this point and his contract will be coming up at a perfect time so he'll have the opportunity to drive up the price between either company and then with wwe getting all this influx of cash maybe he breaks the bank for them and say hey y'all need me but maybe they can look at him and be like, <laughs> need you for what? You know, what have you done? 
it's a situation like Nakamura has lost all his title matches. I, 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 you couldn't book Shinsuke Nakamura worse if you tried. And that seems to be a familiar um, thing up and down the card, especially with Daniel Bryan. Like, you, you couldn't do a comeback worse. I saw a guy on Reddit um, say, Bret Hart in WCW is similar to Daniel Bryan after his retirement coming back to WWE. Now, that's fucking strong. Now... Time will tell if it gets to that point, but right now the parallel is looking spot on. Um, up next, Ronda Rousey and Nia Jax. Probably my favorite match of the night from a pure entertainment standpoint. Ronda Rousey was absolutely phenomenal. I will never come on this podcast and doubt her in-ring abilities, doubt her ability to to look believable in the ring. Of course, she was going to look believable, but th- like her skill, she's fucking awesome. Who knew that the the woman Kurt Angle was just like, you know, sitting there ready to be unleashed because she did this against Nia Jax, who doesn't have a rep for great matches, who actually ended up being a great opponent for her because everything was going to be physical. They couldn't fuck around with it and fake it. And this was a situation where Rousey, I think earned a lot of respect out here and that she might not have necessarily got in the midst tag while People were like, oh, that was a great match. It was fun and all that. But it, it was a celebrity match. It was not like, hey, this is a match. This felt like a match. It felt like a main event. Felt like it was something. And then they brought Alexa Bliss out. Ronda Rousey better squash Alexa Bliss like the ultimate warrior squash a honky-tonk man. I don't want to see like any other result. Otherwise, they're lighting money on fire and... That's just what it is. Um, from there, Braun Strowman won the Money in the Bank. And I can't even really tell you what happened. It's a Money in the Bank match. You guys want to check it out, check it out. Um, a couple big falls. Kevin Owens. Uh, I, I think Bobby Roode was dead during the match. I don't recall seeing him once. Um, kind of an anticlimactic finish with Strowman getting the briefcase. And he's the monster in the bank. And they beat that uh, phrase into the ground. But... Strowman with the briefcase leads me to ask a lot of questions. <sighs> Has Braun Strowman's time come and gone? He feels like Dean Ambrose in 2016 now, where they give him the briefcase or the belt three months too late after everyone wants it. When it's like, you know, when they have to get moved out of the way for Roman Reigns, they recapture some of the energy, but not everything that would have made it go before. Like, had he won the uh, the Universal title at SummerSlam last year, they would have made a top star, a super top star. Had he went over Brock at no mercy, or not fought Brock at all, and still, you know, you had that match in your back pocket. Had you not hidden him in the Royal Rumble that he couldn't win because you couldn't have Braun Strowman in the Royal Rumble if he was going to win, right? And then, you know, he was hidden in the Triple Threat match with Kane not to take a fall. And then... You have him in the Elimination Chamber match. Eliminate everybody and then still lay it down for Roman Reigns at the end. And it's just like, we see what you are making him. And we thought that he was above this. Now, he's a babyface with the money in the bank. It's different. They can try it. Hopefully, he announces he wants to fight somebody, you know, head up. Because Braun Strowman doesn't need to be running behind nobody, acting like no bitch or anything. So... It'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, it not a really a ton of excitement overall on the show. It felt like how a lot of four-hour shows in WWE are going to be. There's going to be some stuff you enjoy. It's going to be some stuff you hate, and then there's going to be just indifference. And I think, you know, for the sake of not only this podcast, I th- think things need to be really great so I can gush about the greatness, or it needs to suck so I can rant. But when it kind of averages like this, it's like man, maybe I should take a week off. It's like, and, and that's kind of what happened. It was kind of like this, like, yeah, you know, there were some good things. And then there was, you know, a lot of shit that was just like, who would ever book this? And then there were things that I really liked on the show, like, uh, the Alexa bliss or excuse me. Uh, definitely not the Alexa bliss. Um, the, um, Ronda Rousey, Nia Jax match, uh, styles and Nakamura was more good than bad. Uh, that I described it Rollins and Elias. And I thought Brian and Cass was serviceable, but, these are four-hour shows. That's a lot of time to fill. Uh, if we end up in a situation where, like, a third of the show is great, that's just not enough for me. It, it, it just isn't at this point, uh, especially with the amount of time that, you know, folks dedicate to this stuff. So, Up next, of course, we have to talk about the new great debate in wrestling, Bailey and Sasha Banks. 
who is the baby face and who is the heel. So I've heard, you know, a lot of different shows, a lot of my colleagues and a lot of, you know, folks I regularly listen to just fall on either side of the fence. Usually there are patterns to this thing. Can't really call one on this. I'm in the camp where I feel like Bailey's a heel, obviously, because she jumped on Sasha way too hard on that. And, you know, the way the commentary did it, you know, and I think we have to address the elephant in the room with the crowd. Obviously, the crowd went ape shit and cheered in a way that I don't think I've heard them cheer in a while. Now, usually, what happens when someone turns or there's some type of big angle like that, people are happy to see an angle, and that's what this was. People were happy to see an angle, and that's why they cheered. When the story commences, when we see whose motivations are on the side of doing what, Maybe people will pick and choose what side they're on. Maybe it's a situation designed like that. But for how I saw it, it was like, yeah, she jumped her from behind. She threw her into the steel steps a bunch of times. She told her she ain't shit. She really, like, laid it in, like, kind of as a heel. And then her fucking music started. That just sounded really happy. So that was awkward. But um, I would have, you know probably not played her music i think that's the only thing that kind of like ruins it for folks obviously they've got this thing that they've got to do now where they have the counseling and with team hell no coming back i would probably assume they'd make a cameo in it um good god um yeah with bailey and sasha banks now i feel like if bailey's the heel it's it's really like kind of compelling strangely uh although i think sasha would blow her out of the water as the heel and pretty much anyone else um especially looking at you alexa bliss um as a uh you know heel top heel woman on the brand uh maybe they'd put bailey in that spot because they don't want you know someone quote-unquote challenging alexa right now for that position with alexa wearing that title and then having to get this rousey thing off the ground and with sasha and bailey it's interesting because you know depending on who you are you can say hey sasha was being a bitch to her like most of the you know time after wrestlemania but for me it's just been so much back and forth they've fought they've made up they've thrown water bottles at each other's cars they've told each other to buck up they've attacked each other from behind they've i don't know who's what this feud before the turn or you know what will go down as a firecracker moment of this thing this has been going on since Royal Rumble, and they've not had a clue on what to do with it because of, like, whatever political reason they didn't want to do the match. match was scrapped. Does it lead to something at SummerSlam? Hopefully, but it looks like it's going to start at Extreme Rules. Really? I This was a WrestleMania match. Like, this was your women's title match, but you had, you know, other ideas. We'll see where it all um, ends up, but... I'm taking Bailey as a heel on this because, you know, I saw her, you know, jump on her ass like that. And, you know, if Sasha was a heel, I felt like we would we would know it because Sasha don't fuck around, don't play no games like that. So um, looking forward to see where that goes. Hopefully they can salvage this in the ring because everything else they will get no help with. This um, counseling session could go a million different ways. Hopefully it does not degenerate into cattiness like you know they probably have a tendency to script the women to be and hopefully they can give us something to be proud of because that women's wrestling landscape your two champions are carmella and alexa bliss what do we get out of this this is a situation that has not been you know broached essentially this is the kelly kelly era we're we're back in we might as well like call her back up she can do this this is awful so, hopefully Sasha and Bailey uh, get get some time. Hopefully they get the chance, and we'll see how it all plays out. But looking at the other thing I want to cover today, AJ Styles versus Rusev will be happening for the WWE Championship at Extreme Rules. Is there any chance in hell that it main events? We'll see. Um, but this is a surprise match that I'm really into. Rusev obviously has been over since like December. It's only, you know, going to be July by the time he gets a chance at, you know, the main event scene. But um, if this could be a situation where they miss the peak again, like they're prone to do. But Rusev is a really good wrestler. AJ Styles obviously is AJ Styles. I don't know if there's a situation where it's a, a, a challenger of the month thing. It could be great. I'm expecting, you know for it to be really good 
Uh, I think AJ Styles and Rusev, like Styles has been in a weird place with his reign. He's held the belt for eight months now. So we've got a couple different things to judge him on. Could they take it off of him? We've seen crazier things happen. For fuck's sake, Jinder Mahal was the world champion last year. But Rusev maybe, maybe is ready for the championship. At this rate, nothing matters. If they were to put the belt on him, and my only ask for that would be to do it in tasteful fashion. Don't have him cheat like a bitch. Don't have him do all that. Just run it. Let's see who the better man is. But, um, yeah, Styles and Rusev, I think it should be really interesting. And they should, you know, if it works out well at Extreme Rules, don't run from it at SummerSlam. Run it. Since y'all ain't gonna run Daniel Bryan out there to be at the top level, um, Samoa Joe, we don't know what they're doing with him, and, you know, Nakamura, they seem to be off that, and Dryden seeing all of they don't want to run out on TV for whatever reason. If it goes well, run it back. Who gives a fuck? So, um, and lastly, last time I'm gonna plug the stickers, so if you guys are hearing this in the audio format and you hear that pause, that's a sticker plug. So, um, who's going to beat Brock Lesnar for this universal title? We don't know. Um, I feel like the universal title, they need to start over because this belt has been cursed from day one. So <laughs> they unveiled the motherfucker at, uh, SummerSlam 2016. People chant, fuck this belt essentially, or whatever they chant, like this belt sucks. Anything like that. They're looking at it. It looks like a piece of, uh, fruit, fruit roll up. And they just, like, pretty much look at the belt, and then it ruins the match, essentially. <laughs> so, but they still have a great match. So, Finn gets hit immediately. Kevin Owens gets turned to a chicken shit heel, where he's the champion, but it's like Jericho's really the champion, because they're doing whatever. And we don't really get anything great out of it the entire time. Maybe you get the Rollins and Owens cage match, depending on how you feel about that. I thought it was just a good match. I didn't think it was anything to write home about. But Kevin Owens holds this belt all the way until Bill Goldberg brings his ass um, out to, you know, WrestleMania season. And he's, you know, the belt gets put on a 50-year-old guy who never defends it, immediately drops it to Brock Lesnar, and Brock Lesnar wins the belt at WrestleMania. We know what the fuck has happened since then. He stunk it up time after time in the ring, mailed it in. They've assassinated his character to the point where we don't care. I think they just need to take the belt and make that the Brock Lesnar Memorial title. Tell him to bring it up to his farm, give him the, the belt, and then make another one, start a tournament, and let everyone else fight for it. Because that belt has been a complete disaster from day one. Like, it's not credible. No one cares about it. It's out of sight, out of mind at this point. And the way it's affecting Monday Night Raw is just making it look like, yeah, there's an entire scene that Brock Lesnar's just above. And shouts out to Ricky and Clive um, on the Social Suplex Podcast Network who explored this very issue in super depth, like looking at it from all angles. And they, I, th- I believe that's a point they made where they were looking at it's created just this you know, distance between Brock Lesnar and everyone else that really isn't, like, natural. And we've kind of been on this road before, like, where Brock Lesnar was the absentee champion. Difference is, it's not 2015. We've seen it before. And this just looks like more, you know, fucking around on WWE's end. For them to not pull the trigger and get the belt off of him and get it on to, because whoever is going to beat him, and we pretty are, we're looking at Roman Reigns, like, it's going to be him. I don't know why WWE, A, is obsessed with getting Roman Reigns cheered because it literally doesn't matter anymore. And B, we know, quote-unquote, no one else is going to beat him, even though Lesnar's run, or Strowman's walking around with his briefcase. It's like, he has a Money in the Bank briefcase. Who can predict that shit? So it could be a situation where, you know, eventually whoever beats, you know, but even then, that's throwing the Universal title even in, into even more, like, you know, controversy and pandemonium, where it's like, yo, we, we want to see... Someone win this belt, defend this belt, make it prestigious, and have a long run with it because this belt has not been shit its entire existence. But WWE's acted like it has, but in the minds of most people watching this shit, it's like, oh, that's the Brock Lesnar belt. Um, And then they just leave AJ Styles out of the main event with the WWE Championship, you know, the one with like 60 years of history behind it. But I don't know, man. I, I, I think, you know, it's time for Lesnar to get off that shit. It's time for WWE to either shit or get off the pot with Roman Reigns. 
uh, or it's time for them to just admit defeat and put the belt on Braun Strowman and run it from there. Anyway, um, that's going to be my time today. Thank you guys for watching this show, this channel, uh, and subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Make sure you guys check out all the great shows on the network, the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Podcast, the Wrestling Wash with Caleb Baldwin. I don't know where you are, um, Caleb, but we'll get another one of those eventually. The Outsider's Edge with Ransom Carl, uh, keeping it strong style and grown men watch this shit. And, of course, One Nation Radio, been here since day one, going to keep being here. And, um, yeah, man, we got plenty to talk about. Um, going to talk about the NXT UK. I'm, I've got to watch it first. I'm about two days behind. I haven't been spoiled on much. So I'm going to watch that, and then I'll probably be back on YouTube with a YouTube exclusive for that. And, um, yeah, so make sure you guys check out uh, the Social Suplex Podcast Network. I'm getting up out of here. I'll holla at y'all. See y'all, I believe, maybe Sunday. Thank you for listening to One Nation Radio. We'll see you next time.